Welcome to the Excel in Retirement Show, where financial planning becomes understandable. Your host, David C. Treese, is a licensed financial advisor who specializes in retirement income planning. Do you know where your income will come from in retirement? David helps people know where their paychecks will come from in retirement. David's desire for each of his clients is to have financial confidence, protection, and growth. We believe this is achievable with the right plan in place. Together, we'll build a plan specific to your financial goals. We work with clients from all over, and we'd love to connect with you. Go to clientsexcel.com to connect with us. If you'd like to speak with us, call our office at 864-641-7955. Thanks for listening. Now to the show. Welcome back to show number 59 of the Excel in Retirement show. My name is David Treese, and we are excited to have you here listening. We are creeping up on show number 60, another milestone for us on the podcast, and I am really enjoying bringing this content to you. I don't know too many other financial advisors who record a podcast every week. They are few and far between, but... I hope that you find this information beneficial about our unique positioning and how we help people excel in retirement. This past Saturday, we did something a little bit different. When I was in school in Virginia, I often went to the Blue Ridge Parkway, mainly for cycling, but we drive out there just to take in the sunset also. But the Parkway's tagline is America's Favorite Drive, and I agree. I'd wanted to go to Mount Mitchell for quite a while, so I talked Mallory, my wife, and Amelia, my daughter, into going with me. And Amelia's favorite thing to say on the way up there was, this take a long time. She's three years old, so this take a long time was her uh, thing that she kept repeating. It was worth it, though. We got to go through three tunnels, and she loved that. So we went to Asheville to get on the parkway, and you drove on it for quite a while before you got to the top of the mountain. And then you turn out of that to go to Mount Mitchell State Park. Now, if you're unfamiliar with Mount Mitchell, it's the highest peak east of the Mississippi River. It tops out at 6,684 feet above sea level. If you're looking for something to do one day, I would highly recommend checking it out. Now, you remember, it's even higher than Denver. Denver is the mile-high city at 5,280 feet, so it's even higher than that, 6,684 feet. It's a really unique, cool place, so I highly recommend it. Apparently, it is the snowiest part of North Carolina also, so I would uh, love to go back in the winter to see some of that snow. When I was about 20 years old, I went with a buddy to the Outer Banks near Moorhead City to kayak and camp on an island called Shackleford Banks. We had to kayak out to the island to camp, and the island is known for its wild horses, but it also has another inhabitant. Raccoons are everywhere. The furry creatures aren't a problem during the day, but when dusk arrives, they start coming alive. It's a, it's a weird phenomenon. It really is. We took an extra tent to put all of our supplies in at night so they didn't wipe our food out. And it required a lot of diligence to make sure all of our things were inside that tent at night. We made a fire at night to cook our food, and we would sit around this fire for a while, and we would shine our flashlights into the brush, and there were numerous sets of raccoon eyes staring back at us. 
And if we sat there real quietly, they would begin to get closer and closer. We had to yell at them to scare them away or they would have come right up to us. And we weren't having that. We were fastidious about zipping that supply tent up each night before we went to sleep. Well, we were for the first one or two nights, but then we forgot one night. We didn't hear a thing that night either. Those raccoons must have been so discreet because the next morning there was a string of food and wrappers and trash and all of our stuff strung up down the beach uh, coming from our tent. And we had a huge mess to clean up and less food to eat or carry back. But we were pretty annoyed by that. The raccoons are a lot like inflation. We know it's a possible problem like the raccoons were a possible problem. We read about the raccoon problem beforehand. That's how we knew to take a supply tent. We are hearing about inflation and and the threat of inflation in the news quite a bit. If you haven't heard about it yet, you probably will. We We were fine the first few nights because we were prepared. But the night we became complacent, we got wiped out. So how are you preparing for inflation? Inflation simply defined is when our money buys less than it used to buy. Conventional wisdom says we need to have equity exposure to keep up with inflation. And I don't disagree with this principle. But where it gets tricky is when we have an overexposure to stock market investments and a correction happens. A down stock market portfolio plus biting inflation is like a one-two punch to knock you out. Some people will have a hard time getting back in the fight after that. This is why we recommend having a safety net of investments that cannot lose value. They are our fallback positions when times get tough in the economy. Because taking distributions off of our stock market portfolio in a down market may cause us to run out of money all the quicker. On the Ziegler podcast, they recently interviewed Shanti Fieldhelm, and she was uh, she's an author and a researcher, and she's done research on how to find joy. She said on the podcast that the number one reason people are unhappy is that they have expectations that were not met. And I'll put a link to the show notes. You should check it out. The Ziegler podcast is great. I've been listening to it for three or four years now, maybe longer. It's great. I don't mean to harp on the stock market corrections or preparing for the worst, though. But in retirement, major losses to your portfolio matter a lot in whether you'll financially make it or not. What's worse is that the government has figured out how to lessen the impact of stock market corrections by using quantitative easing. The problem is that this ultimately devalues the dollar and causes inflation. Quantitative easing, or sometimes referred to as QE, is when the government buys securities and increases the money supply to incentivize lending and investing. It increases the government's balance sheet, and the government is essentially creating money to facilitate this. This causes inflation. It's a double-edged sword. Should the government allow markets to naturally correct and create an unknown amount of financial pain for people, or do they use QE to stabilize markets today but create potential inflation problem later down the road that could be far worse than the original problem? It's a double-edged sword. 
I read a recent I, I read recent commentary that I'll forward to you if you email me. My email is David at clientsexcel.com. In this commentary, it said between the dot-com bubble and September 11th, the terrorist attacks there, the Dow Jones Industrial Average dropped 36%. 36%. The government lowered interest rates by 5.5%, increased spending, cut taxes, and turned a $236 billion surplus in 2000, year 2000, to $377 billion deficit by 2003. So, to recap that, the government lowered interest rates by five and a half points, increased spending, cut taxes, and turned a big surplus into a big negative but in, the, in the preceding two years. These measures pushed the Dow up a whopping 87% between 2002 and 2007. The national debt went from $6.2 trillion in 2002 to $9 trillion in 2007. That gain in the stock market came with a cost, in other words. The mortgage meltdown fiasco that led to the Great Recession, if you recall that, the too-big-to-fail banks and so on, that caused the Dow to crash by 53%. Again, interest rates were cut by 5%, and it held rates at near zero. The Fed held rates at near zero for six years. The government bought $4 trillion in treasuries and mortgage bonds, and the deficit went from $162 billion to $1.4 trillion in 2009. Over the next eight years, the Dow went up 304% between 2009 and 2018. The national debt went from $9 trillion in 2007 to $21.5 trillion in 2008. Excuse me, in 2018, excuse me, that was between 2007 and 2018, the debt went from $9 trillion to $21.5 trillion. Last year, we saw the Dow go down 37%. The Federal Reserve cut interest rates by only 1.5%. There was no more room to cut, as in previous examples. In fact, the Fed tried to raise rates in late 2018, and we saw the Dow drop by 20%. There was tons of stock market volatility. People were coming into my office wondering why they had lost money with the allocations that they had. Not how we had set it up, but how they were set up when they came in. The Fed went so far back in... Uh, back to, uh, Recently, last year, the Fed went so far as to say rates would stay near zero for years into the future, which is another first. They've never come out and said at the outset that rates would stay low for a number of years. Last year, the Fed bought an astonishing $4 trillion in securities, stock market investments. Of course, the Dow rallied by 57% between March of last year and December. Our national debt increased by $6 trillion. Each time the government has stepped in to stabilize the markets, it has required more and more resources and more effort than the last time. Since interest rates can't be cut again, what will the Fed do next time? What will they do when there's another problem? Will they go to negative interest rates? They've not even ruled it out. They haven't said that they won't go to negative interest rates. Think about negative interest rates for a minute when you're paying to hold money.
or when the bank, you're paying the bank to hold your money. These issues necessitate a new approach of active portfolio management in retirement. Last week, I explained our methodology for using algorithmic models to, uh, in our equity positions to mitigate against risk. What this means is we are not riding the Dow to its bottom, but rather through computer programs going in and out of investments, we're going to mitigate against major losses in the market. Many people cannot afford major losses in their portfolio. The simple math that's often used as an illustration, if you lose 50% of your money, how much of a return do you have to make to break even? Most people would say off the cuff 50% or some people would say 50%, but then you're only at 75% of what you had lost. We have a unique approach to portfolio management that you'll be hard-pressed to find elsewhere. When you're ready to experience active portfolio management with less fees and with a comprehensive approach to your whole paradigm, please let us know. As always, you can reach me by calling 864-641-7955. We'll be back next week for show number 60. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. AE Wealth Management and Clients Excel are not affiliated companies. Investing involves risk, including potential loss of principal. Any reference to protection, safety, or lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying abilities of the insuring carrier. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only. It's not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet particular needs of an individual situation. Clients Excel is not permitted to offer, and no statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions contained herein provided by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed by Clients Excel. The use of logos and or trademarks of podcast hosting sites are the property of their respective owners and are not an endorsement by those owners of our firm or our program.